General Electric enters the aviation world in 1917. It was in the final months of World War I. And the biggest challenge for aircraft flying over Europe during that conflict was the issue of piston engines losing power at high altitude. The solution that had been created many years before was the turbo supercharger. And the idea is a device that will capture the exhaust gas from a piston engine, compress that air, and then reinstall that air back into the piston engine. As Sanford Moss, our company founder, used to say, it tricks a piston engine at high altitude to think that it's flying at sea level because it's injecting this oxygen-rich compressed air back into the piston engine. This device was first created in Switzerland in 1910, and the French were doing experiments with turbo superchargers in 1917. And when the United States joined the war effort, that technology was shared with the U.S. that realized that this should become a priority for our own country. And so a contest was held between an industry leader named Augusto Rateau from France and Sanford Moss, who was a scientist at GE's Lynn operation. The interesting thing about Sanford Moss was that when he was working on his doctorate at Cornell University in 1903, he was actually running gas turbine experiments. He was a perfect man to be selected to lead GE's effort for the turbo superchargers, which he did. He wins the competition by testing his engine at Pikes Peak. The reason Sanford Moss selected Pikes Peak in Colorado to do this important testing is that up there he could simulate the conditions of flight because you're at over 14,000 feet. It's oxygen, thin air. And he attached this turbocharger to a piston engine and successfully demonstrated that it could allow the engine to maintain power at these high altitudes. With this, GE wins his first military contract in 1918. The problem is the war comes to an end. It's not a problem for the world, but it was a problem for our turbocharger business. So if business is in limbo, but by 1919, the government restored the research work that Sanford Moss was doing with the Army Air Corps in Dayton, Ohio at McCook Field. And on July 12, 1919, GE formally enters the aviation business when the first Sanford Moss turbo supercharger powers a piston aircraft in Dayton, Ohio quite successfully. And by the 1919, 1920, 1921, we tended to set a new altitude record every time we would take off with a turbocharger with these piston-powered aircraft. This is what firmly plants GE into the aviation industry. The challenge was there was limited interest in high-altitude flying in the 1920s and 1930s, but all that would change with the onset of conflict in Europe, and suddenly the turbo supercharger is a very, very important part of GE's business. They, they create a separate division for that device in Lynn, Massachusetts in the late 1930s. Sanford Moss comes out of retirement and serves as a consultant for that business. And by World War II, we had more than 100,000 GE turbo superchargers powering aircraft around the world, firmly putting us in a position to then become America's first producers of jet engines. General Electric will introduce America's first jet engine in 1941. But it's not actually our engine. The engine was designed by Frank Whittle, 
A man who, when he's all of 30 years old, receives the world's first patent for a turbojet concept when he's a young officer with the Royal Air Force in England. There was limited interest in his technology at that time, but as the war years ensued in the late 1930s and early 40s, jet propulsion became a great necessity for all those involved in this conflict. The Germans fly the very first jet engine in 1939. The Italians fly a kind of a version of a turbojet in 1940. And in 1941, Frank Whittle's first engine in an aircraft to fly occurs with the Gloucester aircraft in England. So the United States is looking at a situation by 1941. The Italians, the Germans, and the English have all flown on experimental aircraft jet power. We hadn't done it yet. So General Hap Arnold gets involved in this process. He, he's leading the aviation efforts for the United States U.S. Army Air Corps selects GE to produce America's first jet engine. Why GE? For one, the leading piston engine manufacturers in the United States, Pratt & Whitney and Wright Aeronautical, were very much involved in mass producing piston engines for the war effort. And that is something that the government did not want to interrupt. So they weren't going to be involved as well. The other thing was the, the concept of a jet engine was very different from a piston engine and suited very well the technologies that GE was already very involved with, like advanced impellers, advanced materials, advanced metal fabrication, and of course the turbo superchargers that GE was producing in tremendous volume that had both an impeller and a turbine wheel. Some people like to call a turbo supercharger half a jet engine. GE was perfectly suited then to be America's first producer of jet engines because of this technical background. So we received in 1941 an engine and drawings from the British, an engine designed by Frank Whittle. It came to Lynn under super top secret circumstances. A small team called the Hush Hush Boys were put together to replicate the Whittle engine and to actually perform new things with it, improve the production of the engine, make it better. Frank Whittle himself secretly comes to the United States in June of 1941. Checks into a hotel as Mr. Whiteley demands a line, a telephone line that's outside of the hotel. He then moves in with one of the executives for GE in Marblehead, which is near the Lynn plant, and the wife of the executive never knows his identity. So he stays for several weeks to help GE in developing his engine in the Lynn plant. It's tested in one of the most fabled sites ever in jet engine history called Fort Knox, still a historical site in Lynn. It runs there in 1941, and in 1942, the engine will fly for the first time in California. And this would lead GE into a journey from this IA engine, they produced less than 20 of these engines for the government, to then a series of subsequent more powerful engines. And with five years of those first flights by the IA engine, GE was on its own, designing its own concepts of engines and creating innovations every year after that as we entered into this really exciting world of jet propulsion.